Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Live, where I help you fix your Catholic marriage. I've coached and helped hundreds of men in their marriages, and now I want to help you. Call 313 Radical now. That's area code 313 Radical, and ask me anything on tough marital issues, such as what to do when she's asked for divorce. What to do when you have a mutual agreement of separation, but you didn't want it. What to do when your wife is cold and distant. What to do when your wife is having an affair. What to do when your marriage is bad, boring, lukewarm, and passionless. What to do when you engage in a mental embrace less than once a month. What to do when you sleep in separate bedrooms. What to do when she has left the home with or without the children. What to do when you're divorced but didn't want it. Call 313-RADICAL. That's area code 313-723-4225. That's area code 313-723-4225. Again, call 313-RADICAL right now for answers to intimacy problems, communication problems, prayer and spiritual warfare problems, authentic masculinity problems, a.k.a. how to man up. So... Sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock. But don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical coming at you now. Hello, I'm Jerry Jacobs Jr. And again, welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Save My Catholic Marriage Minute. Well, my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court. The Save My Catholic Marriage Minute is for you if your marriage has little or no emotional closeness, your wife has asked for a divorce or separation, your wife has left home, or you are separated. Your wife was in the home, but you're in separate bedrooms. Your marriage is kind of boring or has no passion. Um, you engage in the marital embrace less than once a week or less than monthly. You are divorced and you didn't want it. But guess what? In today's episode, this 66th episode, I ask, what are the clues that your wife may want a divorce? We are on clue number 28 and we are almost done. It's been a long, long journey, but I am glad that we're almost done because Again, as I always say, these clues are very important um, to help you understand your future and how to prevent a marriage catastrophe. Ooh, I like that. Marriage catastrophe. Yeah, that's how you want to <laughs> describe it. So, plus, we're going to do your live calls as usual because, again, this is a live call-in show, not really a, really a content show. So, your calls are at the top of the list. Um, so whenever they come in, I will do my best to get them in immediately. Um, so get in the queue, get in the queue, call 313-RADICAL, um, or you can call um, in on your uh, browser, 
which is callinstudio.com slash radical one. Don't wait now. Get in the queue because today's show might be a little quick. <laughs> I'm trying to save my voice. It's getting a little bit better um, each day, but I'm a singer too. So I used to be a singer. I used to sing a lot. So when this kind of thing happens to your voice, you just kind of kind of wait it out. Keep taking stuff and lozenges and drinking warm stuff and getting a lot of rest. Today, I, yesterday, I kind of took off as much as I could and laid around. Um, and it's it's getting a little bit better each day. Um, but we got to do what we got to do, right? Got to do got to do the mission. So that being said, get in that queue, man. Make that call. Uh, for some resolution to your marriage confusion. Quote of the day, quote, the history of mysticism reveals that temptations of the flesh become less as one gets closer to God. Although, the temptations to pride may increase the Holy Eucharist, which is the body of Christ when worthily received does diminish the uprisings of concupiscence in quote, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen book three to get married. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me to help you in yours. Get live Catholic marriage help Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern for some resolution to your marriage confusion. So since we are almost done with our little clue series, uh, I want to go over what again, which I've done like two or three times over the series, not many, but I kind of want to keep a perspective on things. And listen, the way to learn about relationships and marriage and the, and the, and the faith is the same way that you learn about everything else. And what is that? Repetition. Repetition. Uh, when I coached football, uh, what we did, me and my coaches, is what we did was every day it was the same thing. Now we put we put variations on thing like competition to keep it exciting, but basically, man, you learn the same thing every day for what you know, um, and then that's the, you know that is the problem that many NFL coaches have. College coaches have, high school coaches have, little league coaches have. They put in all this stuff, all this stuff. They put in 500 plays and 100 plays and 25, 30 defenses and all that stuff. And, man, sure, as you go from little league to high school to college to the NFL, yeah, the dudes are older, but is their mental capacity better? Um, and so what you do – no matter what league you in, you decide what you're going to do. And then every day you do, you practice that and you do that better than anybody else. And when you get on the field, 
the the blocking scheme, the backs, the quarterback, everything is is clockwork. It's like we do, you know, you do it, you repetition it, and when it gets in the game, it's second nature. This is why you see most quarterbacks that come in the NFL um, from college um, or college um, college quarterbacks. They're terrible. Even the top high, the high, the high draft choice ones. You know why? If you just look and look at their footwork, look at the accuracy of the football when it when it's released. Look at their mechanics. You know, look at their follow through. People think it's all about your arm. Sure, your arm is important, but it's not nearly the number one thing. The number one thing as a quarterback is your accuracy. Can he put the ball where it needs to be at the time it needs to be? <laughs> and how quickly can he decipher that to do it? As a coach, as a I used to coach quarterbacks all the time. I'm only coached up to ninth grade, but it's still the same. It's still the same as you go, you know, as you go through. The problem I learned when I coached for when other guys were my head coaches, um, you know, and I had a high school coach, is no one wants to spend the time to make their quarterback great. No one. Coaches say they love the kids and they want it's all about this and all about that. But then when it comes, they ain't, well, I ain't got time, man. His footwork is, you know, I ain't got time to make that perfect. I ain't got time to make his accuracy perfect. Um, that running back, I ain't got time to teach him footwork and how to get through blocks and how to read blocks. And I ain't got time for all that. If he don't know about time he gets to high school or college or, or NFL, I'm going to find somebody else that does. And see, that was all well and good. 30, 40, 50 years ago when there was tons and tons and tons and tons of kids playing football. But guess what? Now, with the modernist way in the church, with the liberalism, trying to destroy masculinity, you know, we're toxic. You know, we can't do karate. We can't do martial arts. We can't do football. We can't do basketball. Anything that can hurt my little boy, we don't want to do it. We're trying to destroy it. You know, that's what the whole concussion thing was about. You guys didn't know that, did you? But that's what it's about trying to get rid of anything masculine so that the women can continue to run the emotional world. <laughs> that's, that's the, it may, you might not like it, but that's the truth, you know? And so with football, you can't, you have to coach them up. That's the thing in the coach in coaching, you know, that's the coaching thing. We got to coach them up, coach them up. Doesn't mean throwing the guy away. That's a, that's a, a possibly a great talent and then find somebody else that's quicker and smarter. no, the, you you have to coach that dude up and make him the best player that you can make him, no matter how much time you got. Because what will happen is in the middle of the season, in the quarter of the season, at the end of the season, that dude is so sharp if you spend the time that there's nothing that he can't do. And I mean all the offensive linemen, too. It's the same way. People under, underestimate the defensive line and the offensive line. But, hey, man, that's the game. That's the game right there. You know, if I was going to start an NFL team or a high school team or quarterback, I mean, or a college team, for, or a little league team, first thing I do is try to find me the best offensive line I could. Then I try to find me the best quarterback I could. No, nah, I'm sorry, I take that back. I try to find me the best defensive line I could, then the best quarterback, then the best offensive line I could. That's what I would do. That's how I do it in that order. Why? Because those three entities, those three, those three, those three um, uh, sections of the team have the most impact on the team. People think it's the wide receiver. People think it's the the the, the, the uh, cornerback or the linebackers or you know running backs. Yeah, those people are important. I'm not saying they're not, but man, 
that D-line, that quarterback, and that O-line. That's the game because that's where the game is really won or lost. And the defense wins championships. I don't care what nobody says. If I can hold a guy to zero points or three points or ten points, and I score zero to zero and I can score three, I win. <laughs> Plain and simple. That's why in basketball, I can't, that's why I can't stand the NBA because they don't play no defense anymore except when the playoffs come. Then the deeper they get into the playoffs, all of a sudden the score ain't 105 to 130 or 120 to 150. It's like 85 to 75, uh, 75 to 90. I mean, once the further they go into the playoffs in the NBA, you ain't seeing that 100 score, that 100 point score. Why? Because everybody knows it's about the defense and hustling. That's how you win championships. And then if you, if a guy goes through this whole season, as a basketball player, and he's never hit any defense, then he gets to the NBA. That's what happened to Michael Jordan. You know, he go through the whole season, nobody playing, really playing defense on him except Detroit. Then he gets in the um, then he gets in the playoffs, and everybody's beating him up. He can't understand what's going on. And then after that, he learned. Listen, I gotta be tough. I gotta be a real man. You know, guys go knock me around. If they do, they do. I'm still gonna score. That's how it works. So the reason I'm bringing all that up is. When you hear me say the same things over and over again, it's not because I write a stuff to say. Believe me, that's definitely not it. It's because, man, I understand that it's about repetition. You got to, relationships in marriage is a very difficult thing. The Catholic faith is a very difficult thing. Everybody thinks, oh, it's just easy to worship Jesus. Yeah, that's it. But how do you keep that fire for Christ? How do you keep that uh, how do you keep that 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 motivation going on? How do you get through it even when your emotions don't want you to? So what that's called is the knowledge of Christ, right? The more you know about God, the universe, how it works, what he died for, what we're here for, the more on fire you become and the more motivated you become. That's why the Catholic faith, the Christian faith is deep and, and, and hard because it pushes you, if you allow it, to to go further and further and further. And no matter what the Holy Spirit reveals to you, there's still so much more. This is why men that sit on their laurels and they allow Satan to enter their home, man, you, you, you are just, you're just handing your whole family over to God when you don't engage in prayer every day. It's called spiritual warfare, dude. <laughs> That's what it's about. And if you can't understand that concept, you shouldn't be a husband and you definitely shouldn't be a father. You know, when you don't know, it's different. But when you do know and you refuse to do the right thing, then you got a problem. It's called selfishness. It's called effeminacy. It's called emasculation. Okay? So this is why you hear me say things over and over again. I say a lot of new things um, because callers call me and they bring up things. But the, the main thing is, man, you've got to understand that I've got to help you build habits. And, and, and the system that it takes to do that is very difficult and it takes time and your perseverance. OK, so what we're going to go real quick is the opposite of what of the clues the opposite of clues is the chaos of divorce. Like is is if I don't get up and make my marriage from being mediocre to bad and try to make it to a good or great or legendary marriage. What is my alternative and the alternative is the chaos of divorce the the um the horror of of um of uh uh what did you call it? Uh, what is it? annulments the horror of annulments 
you've got to understand either you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later. And I understand a lot of the stuff I say, you didn't know. I know. I know you didn't know. You know why? Because I talk to a lot of men every year, and they, to a T, the ones that are really trying to hear me, the other ones that still want to be selfish and prideful, they ain't trying to hear nothing but Satan. But the guys, most guys, when they come to me, they really want to learn. They really want to understand. And so this is why it's important that you understand that you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later. And the guys that come to me, they didn't pay a lot of times, not because they didn't want to pay. They didn't pay because they didn't know. And then once you do know, how do you put that in a logical, ongoing, systematic thing so that it pays off and you get the results you need? This is what marriage coaching is all about. So again, the horror, the chaos of divorce. Of course, God is against divorce, but like you're going to hear me say today, nobody believes in divorce until they want one. Nobody. Nobody. Until they want one. Everybody knows that God is against divorce. Everybody knows it. Even the atheists know it. Everybody knows it. But we say we love God until it, it, it breaks what we want to do, right? We call that cafeteria Catholics. So basically what that means is I'm against abortion, but I'm okay with same-sex marriage. Uh, I'm against uh, lying, but I'm for not going to church every Sunday. Uh, I'm for not killing somebody, but I'm okay with rape. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not good with pedophilia, but I'm okay with abortion. You know, it's like stuff like that. It's like we can't just completely buy into Christ and and let him know that no matter what, I got faith enough to just go, even though I don't agree with it or I have problems understanding it. Many times, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen said, there's nobody that had the fullness, that knew the fullness of the Christianity and the Catholic faith that most people that hate the Catholic faith or even the Christian faith, especially the Catholic faith, is because they don't have knowledge of it, which is knowledge of God, which is knowledge of Christ. People want to stay in the darkness because, well, I already know that. You know, I've been learning since I was five years old that Catholicism is evil and it's a cult, all this kind of stupid stuff. You know, when is if you really get into it, it's the fullness of the faith. When people think like that, that's just the devil trying to prevent them to grow as Christians. And it's sad. It's really sad. It's really sad, man. I know it. Look, before I came Catholic, I didn't even know what a Catholic was. I'm going to be true. I didn't know what a Catholic was. I mean, I heard about like, okay, that's that's a Catholic church or, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's a, okay, that's a Catholic person. I didn't really know what that was. I didn't know it was a religion. I guess I knew it was a religion, but see, I was in the darkness. I was like my own selfish self. I didn't, I didn't, wanna, I didn't go to church. I didn't do nothing. I didn't even really care about Jesus Christ or God or the church or nothing like that. So I could care less what a Catholic was or a Protestant was or, uh, you know, Baptist and Methodist and Lutheran and all that. I didn't care, care less. I had my own thing to do. <laughs> I had my own thing to do, right? And so what we got to realize is, man, when, and plus, man, there are, there are not a lot of blacks in the United States that are Catholic, but there are tons of Africans that are. 
Just like the saying going around in the church, the Catholic church right now is the Catholic bishops are the ones that are going to save the church. If you don't believe me, just listen to them. The African bishops got it going on. If you just listen to them, compared to the German bishops, compared to the United States bishops who are, are lost, let's just say that. And they have a lot to answer for at their particular judgment. But if you listen to that, that's why they try to silence the African bishops because they're the ones who stand up for Christ and his church. This is why you people that go along this racism crap, especially black people that go along this racism crap, then you look at, you say, well, I'm going to go home to the motherland where the United States did me like this and it's still this. Okay. I say, look, man, look at the Africans. Look at the bishops in Africa, man. Them boys are holding it down, dude. Africa's holding it down as far as Jesus Christ is concerned. Okay. This is why it doesn't matter if if the motherland. So you're going to call the bishops and all the Africans that are that are Catholic in the motherland. You're going to be talking. You're going to they're going to dog them out and say they lost. They're confused. They stupid. Yeah. See, man, you can't have your cake and eat it, too, baby. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Again, like I said yesterday, man, white folks could care less. White folks could care less about what black folks doing. They really don't. We all got, everybody's got their own problems to deal with. You know, the thing we should be worrying about is how to get closer to Christ. How to, how to, how to make, how to do what God wills us to do. And that's not participating in this, in this, in this, in this way of, you know, of, um, you know, letting people rouse up this anger and fear of us being racist against being people being racist against us because people are going to always be racist against somebody. The example I used yesterday was look at the Scots and the Irish. They can't stand each other and they're both white. Okay. So that's, that's racism. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's always going to be somebody that is racist against you. Your job is to be like Christ and say, look, that's what he's going to do. That's not what I'm going to do. Right. Because in the end, Catholicism means universal. It means that Christ has decided in the New Testament that everybody will be invited into the Christian faith, into the Catholic faith. What does that mean? That means in the Old Testament, which everybody knows this one, it was just the Jews, right? You know, it was Abraham, then the the chosen family, then the chosen people, you know. And then, you know, in the New Testament, you know, it comes. Christ said, "Hey, enough of that. What we're gonna do is we're gonna involve the Gentiles now. So everybody is included in the faith. So anybody that goes around being racist against Mexicans or white people or black people or or Chinese or whoever, you are seriously going against Scripture. You're going against Christ. I mean, my grandmother. You know, I talked about my grandmother yesterday. You know, my grandmother. I couldn't. I couldn't say the word Catholic almost in front of my grandmother." <laughs> She was like 92 years old, 91, 93, something like that. And I'll tell y'all a story. So over, like, uh, over, you know, over years, you know, me and my wife would try, especially me, because I ain't scared of nothing. I respected my grandmother to the hilt, and I knew if I bought up this subject, she would get mad. I don't care. My job as a Catholic is to evangelize my family and my grandmother was part of my family. And so I tried my best. So she would come over and we had mentioned, 
me and my wife are bringing up Catholicism and the rosary and all that stuff. And my grandmother knew all that stuff because she, guess what? She grew up Catholic. Uh, hmm, what about that one? But every time we had mentioned it, she had her story. The reason I'm not Catholic anymore is because of this, because everybody's got their freaking story, right? I'm not Catholic because of this. I'm not Christian anymore because of this. I don't do it because of this. Well, everybody's got an excuse, but guess what? When you get in front of Christ, you, all excuses are over at the particular judgment, all of them. So you can, you can, all look, you can get them all, all the excuses you want, but when you get in front of Christ, right when he comes from the east on your butt, then you have no excuses. All excuses are over. And so what my grandmother would do, she had her story. And her story was this. Man, because Jerry Jr. So on my father's side, my nickname was Man, M-A-N-N. On my mother's side, my name is Jerry Jr. Because I'm Jerry Jacobs Jr. And that's my father's name, Jerry Jacobs. So she would say, Jerry Jr. Now look, I hear what you're saying, but when I and my husband, we were going, we were, um, we were uh, going, we had, we had been married and we had our family and we tried to go. We were, I was I was raised Catholic and I would go to the church all the time and they'd make us sit up in the, um, they'd make us sit up in the balcony. They would let us sit up in the front and they wouldn't let, you know, and then so one time uh, I forgot I needed something and I went to the priest and he didn't do me right. And so I left the Catholic church and I went to be a Presbyterian and that's where I've been ever since. That's her story. And man, she would get mad if I would say grandmother, but this or grandmother, but that, but grandmother, it doesn't matter. You can't leave Christ for the church. You know, you, you got to fight the church inside the church. You cannot leave the church because of some man, because that's where Christ is at. There's the Eucharist right there, grandmother. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Emotionally, my girl didn't care. She had checked out. That's how women are. They ain't trying to, this is what I gotta be trying to tell y'all, man. When you hurt them, they ain't trying to hear your butt no more. They is years and years and years. In my grandmother's mind, she's a woman. I put in all this work in the Catholic church. I built, I brought my family up in it. I bought, you know, I bought, you know, I did all this stuff. I was a volunteer. I gave my money and my grandma, my grandparents had some money. And so they gave, they gave, the, they gave me the church. They did their thing. And in her mind, I gave all I could. And this priest going to sit up there and do me like this. That's her thing. That was her thing. That was her thing. So she ain't trying to hear nothing. I'm trying to say, this is why priests right now and bishops, they, have a lot to answer for um, um, when it comes to Christ, and 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 and, and um, when they when they're when they when the judgment time comes, this is why you if if you in the front of your pastor and you don't hear about death, judgment, heaven, and hell every Sunday, you got one of those and some kind of derivative of it. You are in a place where God is not really that that person is not trying to bring God to you fully, and so the fact. That, yeah, sure, it was wrong that they put my grandfather and my family and my grandmother up in the balcony. That ain't right. But that was back then. But that ain't now. That ain't, you know, you can't, people in the church are evil. There are people in the church that are evil. There are people in the church that are holy. But you got to remember, 
once you know something, Christ holds you responsible for it, right? So if you a dude and you were born in, in the Amazon jungle and you never heard the Catholic Church, then you're kind of absolved because God doesn't say, well, you know what? You grew up Baptist your whole life. Nobody tried to bring the Catholic Church to you, the fullness of my, of my, of my, you never understand the Catholic faith is Christ's religion. It's his church. It's how he started it. So he started it from the bishops, Peter, Paul, all of them, all of them from down. Okay. So that's why you look at the Catholic church. That's why we always get attacked because everybody knows the church of Christ. Everybody knows it. They really do. But everybody denies it. And they try to say bad things about the church, but they're not. But you know what? Nobody's attacking the Methodist church. Nobody's attacking the Lutherans. Nobody's attacking the Jehovah's Witness. If you look on TV, it's always the Catholic church on new, on the news. Always. There's always a priest sitting there most of the time. You, you got to understand how this thing works. If Satan can destroy the Catholic church, Christ church, if, if Satan can destroy us, then the little the little Methodist church, the Baptist church, the, the Lutheran, the Presbyterians, they just putty. They just putty. This is why Christ wanted one church. Christ didn't say, build my churches. He says, my church. And so this is how it follows down. So this is why we got to understand, man, that the more divided we are, the more that helps the devil. Like, look at now, everybody goes, well, we're all right. My kids are all right. Right, my kids are all right. My church is all right. Now your church ain't all right. Your kids ain't all right. They're not disrespectful. Go out and having babies with everybody, having sex with everybody, letting the, letting the little boy have sex with her. That's not all right. Disrespecting you, calling you names, hating. I hate you. That's that's your kid, all right. And everybody, another thing, everybody goes, oh, you know, I grew up okay. I'm look at me. I went through all that. I'm I'm okay. You ain't okay. You ain't okay, man. You ain't okay. You're you're disordered. You're damaged because your parents were divorced. You know, you weren't in the Christian faith. You were in the Catholic faith. You're hurt. You're you're just you're dislodged from from the trueness, the fullness of the universe. You're dislodged from God, man. And this is what we got to understand. Nobody wants the truth these days. Nobody wants the truth. They really don't. Everybody likes being in a twilight zone. Like my wife, I tell her all the time, you like being in a twilight zone, don't you? Yes, I really do. <laughs> I like being in a twilight zone. I like not knowing all the pain in the world and stuff. But see, the more, the closer you become to Christ, the closer you become to the Trinity and God, the more he reveals to you. And the way you do that, sure, the Methodist church, the, 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 the Presbyterian church, all the Protestant churches, they can only go so far. But once you go so far in those churches, you have to go, okay, the Catholic church is, is the one that can take me the rest of the way. That's why I don't get on Protestants no more. Man, when I first came and I started, <laughs> when I first started loving God, I just couldn't understand why we got all these different churches. Like why, you know, you got some church that they go, well, abortion is okay. And then some churches allow a man and a woman to get married. I mean, a man and a man to get married. Some churches allow a man and a woman to get married outside the church. You can go to the beach and get married. You can get married. You get married on the top of the um the the, the you can get married on the top of the Empire State Building. It's crazy stuff. 
you know, I was like, why are we all spread out like this? This is this is the problem. We're all not on the same page. And it makes it very easy for Satan to do that, to, to divide us. And that's kind of what my grandmother was, you know. And so as we went through and we went through and we went through. Um, oh, I got a call. Uh-oh. So I'm going to say I'm on a caller. I'm almost let me let me finish this real quick. Do my quick second break and I'll have you on because I was almost done anyway. So that's what my grandmother was doing. Right. She was uh, she was. If I said, you know, you know, okay, so cause to make this quick is I want the car to be on is I, but I want you to hear my grandmother's story. It's like for years, me and my wife are periodically bring up the church. You know, with my grandmother, and you know, every time I mean, she was nice about it, but sometimes if 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 I pressed it, because that's what I'm prone to do, <laughs> if I pressed it, she would go, she would start getting a little upset. So I would always stop out of respect. I would always stop. So then my grandmother got sick, and I knew that none of my my mother, none of my aunts, none of them were Catholic. And my grandmother was, so once you're Catholic, you're always Catholic. That means what? You Once you're baptized Catholic, you are always allowed to get the sacraments. So I was going to call my priest, and I talked to my priest. He's like, Jerry, you know, and he's right. I ain't going to, he was right. He's like, Jerry, if she don't want me there, I can't go. I said, okay, so I'm going to try and talk to her again. So me and my wife went to the nursing home when she was feeling a little bit better, and when she was, she would get sick and be passed. And me and my wife would go and pray rosaries with her, you know, um, because I thought it was the only way. I was the only way, man. I didn't know what to do. I was like, my grandmother, I was worried because she knows the truth, but she's denying the truth. So I didn't want my grandmother to go to hell. So I'm sitting there, me and my wife are sitting there praying rosaries over her. And then we would ask her, you know, I said, grandmother, I said, would you, you know, when she'd be awake, I said, grandma, you want me to call a priest? She said, Jerry, she said, Jerry Jr., sweetheart, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not Catholic. I'm Presbyterian. And I want to say, grandmother, but you are Catholic. You got the sacraments. You're baptized. You've been to confession before. You are Catholic, grandmother. But she was sick and I didn't want to push it. So I rely on the Holy Spirit was all we could do. Um, but that's what me and my wife did. You know, we would go and we would say rosaries for her while she was asleep. And when she was awake, we'd say rosaries. We'd, me, and her, my, me, and my, me and my mother would sit there, my grandmother would sit there, and me and my wife, we'd sit there and pray rosaries and hoping that the Holy Spirit would change her heart. You know, but he ain't, like, you know how God is, he ain't going to force you now. So uh, that's what you understand. That's my little story. I guess I'm not going to go in because I got a caller. So I, I'm not going to go into the opposite of the chaos of divorce because I went on before. But I think that was more important of what the stuff I did go over because I want you people, to, you men to understand that evangelism, your job as a man is to evangelize, is to evangelize your family first, you know, and your environment. My grandma was part of my environment. So I tried my best. My father was the same way. I'll tell you that story tomorrow about me and my father. Woo, that's a whooper. <laughs> so let me go on break real quick, man. Thank y'all for listening, man. I'm hyped up now. Y'all gave me talking about my grandmama. <laughs> so let's rock this. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, 
visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an opportunity to work with me personally for free. Yes, within 30 days, learn how to become a better husband that attracts your wife back to you. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com and get a plan tailored specific to your marriage and situation. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me the chance to help you using my personal and gained experience. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior coaching for your marriage. Again, SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com. That's SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com to become the man God created you to be and the husband your wife needs. Lastly, I always get the question, why don't you help women? And I always answer them, I do. So for all of you beloved wives out there that want to reignite that feeling of emotional closeness and complete love from your hubby, consider marriage coaching and visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an improved marriage within 30 days. All right, all right, all right. I am back, and so let me get my little notebook ready so I can take some notes on my caller in case so I can answer her or him and give them a good get help them as best I can. So I'm gonna bring on a second. Hello, Mister and Mrs. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. All right, uh, what you got for me today? How you doing? Hope you're doing all right. Yeah, I'm a long-time listener, fourth-time caller. Uh-oh. How you doing, brother? I must, have, I must have said something today that sparked a, uh, that sparked a, uh, a, a chord. You sparked several things, Jerry. Um, <laughs> and here's what you sparked. Gotcha. Guess what position I played when I was in Pop Warner football? Quarterback. Well, that was my secondary position. What's the first position you said you go after first? Oh, defense, defensive line, baby. All the way. Yeah. Imagine imagine being four six and seventy six pounds in sixth grade playing Pop Warner football. Yeah. But that you, was in sixth grade. But, Most everybody was a half foot taller than me. But and I played nose guard. Yeah, man. But <clears throat> you know why we put why we do that? Because you're 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 probably more are stout and more strong. You're more naturally strong at that shorter height, and so you're stronger than everybody else. You have better leverage. That's why and they put you there. You know what the coach said? What he says? You're short and stout, <laughs> and he says you run like a scalded dog. That's right. And after I get knocked down on the pile, <laughs> I get up out of the pile and I chase down that guy that was running on the outside. Exactly. I chased him down. That's right. But the thing I'm going to share is you were talking about um, black priests and so forth within. Do you know that Wilton Gregory's the highest ranking cardinal in the U.S.? Mm-mm. Did you know that? Nope. He's the highest ranking cardinal in the U.S. He's a prelate in Rome. And guess what color he is? I guess he's black. Correct. <laughs> okay. And guess who was my first leader in the U.S. Army back in 1984? Him? Howard Wasp. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Guess what his color was? I guess he was black. Yes. Okay. And guess who's leading the Catholic Alpha Marriage Mentoring Program and what color he is? I guess he's black. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And guess who's, guess what color the Archbishop of Louisville, who just received a four-page scathing letter about how he's failing his community. Guess what color he is? Oh, I know he was black. Yeah. Really? He's from actually Louisiana, so he's Cajun black. Oh, okay. Still, he's black, man. You don't have rose. And what I'm saying is, 
the black priests within the Catholic faith are so rare. When I was down and I last saw my daughter alone on September the 1st, 2013, down in Cocoa Beach, Florida, the black priest, I asked if I could give testimony to my walk with Christ. He said, no, I've got something more important to share. I said, what's that? And he says, I can't tell you, but I'll be telling it. I sat in the front row with my four-year-old daughter, Bailey, at the time. And he looked at everybody and says, I'm going to be moving on to a new parish. They all gasped. Mm-hmm. You know the next time I saw that gentleman? Mm-mm. No. It was February 20th, 2016. I was watching Justice Scalia's funeral procession. And one of the pallbearers, I looked and I said, oh, my God, it's the priest from our Savior's Catholic Church. He's up in Washington, D.C. Wow. He was carrying... Archbishop, I mean, he was carrying Justin Scalia's casket into the actual thing. I said, Misty, we're going to church at St. Gabriel tomorrow. And the reason why I did that is we weren't married at that point, but we were practicing celibacy. And we sat in the front row of the pew, and I put on my dress blues in reverence for Justice Scalia's passing. And they let us kneel at the altar. So, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago I got in trouble with the Catholic Church for uh, standing firm in front of the church. Yeah. Boldly trying to accept communion. Yep. I watched the priest berate me in front of 600 parishes, and he says, you're going to scare everybody away. This is the biggest biggest service we've had in a long time. He says, we'll get over 600 people. And I said, no, it's not. You don't need to be scared. And the thing I was trying to teach him is he's not paying attention to Christ when he lets somebody come into his church who's doing nothing more but wanting to receive the communion. And I actually wrote a letter to the archbishop, and I ended up with saying, I don't care what you think of me or my chosen point on God. I'm a devout Catholic who's trying to see the abuses within the walls of the Catholic Church. My wife, Misty, fell in with love with me because of my zealousness, and she's fallen out of favor because of my devotion to Christ. This is my true job as a husband and a father, is to boldly lead his family to Christ. So my grandfather taught me there's only two things that you need from a woman to give to a woman. He says, go after their heart consistently, and to always be honest with them. And my wife will attest, I am as brutally honest with her as anybody there is out there. And the reason being is it lets her know where I stand at all times. Mm-hmm. And it scares her. So, and I'm not saying this to be cruel when a lot of guys think I'm being cruel by saying this. My wife put on 36 pounds within the first four years of marriage. And I looked at her and I said, Misty, when's the last time you've been on the scale? She said, I don't want to know. I said, go on the scale. She get on the scale. And I said, you were 130 pounds when I married you. You're 166 now. That's 36 pounds in four years. At this pace, you'll be 220 by the time we get to our 10th year reunion. Scott, I said, you really, if I wanted a fat really woman, said that. I, I said this. Watch what I said. If I really wanted a fat woman that lied to me all the time, I would have married Bailey's mom. She just looked at me and started losing weight. The point is, Jerry, it's what my grandfather taught me. He says, don't think your grandmother never threw a frying pan or two at me. He says, but she's come to trust that whatever I say is always the truth. And here's the thing about women with children. He said, don't ever date a woman that has a kid unless you you plan on making a long-term relationship that leads to marriage. So on October the 3rd, 2014 was the day before I was going to meet my wife for our first date, which ended up being courting because we practiced celibacy. I said, how can I make a woman that's divorced with two kids? So that's. Three bags now, a divorced woman, two grown adult daughters. One's already got a kid out of wedlock, which is the fourth bag. And the other one's living with a guy. That's the fifth bag. How can I make them all be so fearful of what I'm going to do? 
like the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 33 says, when it says a wife should fear her husband, how can I make them all fearful? I gave her a choice. Either she comes to church with me or I'm going to ask the woman out that plays the organ. She came right in the line. And then when I found out that um, she wasn't doing what I asked in regards to how we were going to buy the place in Florida and sell the place here, I, I approached the woman about that was taking advantage of my middle daughter's um, her son was taking advantage of my middle daughter and I called her out on it and she agreed with me. The woman agreed. But the thing I'm going to share with you is it scared our two daughters. I never saw our two daughters again. And they're now successfully married to the two guys that were taking advantage of her. Mm. If it wasn't for me standing up boldly and just putting it about Christ and practicing celibacy, they all look at me like I'm a nut, but then they're now married. And my wife refuses, refuses to unfriend me on Facebook, and I've asked her six times. Do you know why that is, Jerry? Mm -mm, no. She doesn't want the divorce. If she wanted the divorce, she'd tell the 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 uh, lawyer that she's hired, this is what she wants to get a divorce. I was just in court yesterday. The judge ruled in my favor again because I was in the hospital right after I did that at the church. And th the thing about it is her lawyer is so frustrated. She says, I just need proof that you're in the hospital. I actually was going to meet with the mediator who's a retired judge. Guess what a female judge will never be able to do to a male judge? What? Be able to tell him how to run a courtroom. And the best thing that can happen in a family courtroom is the judge will pay attention to the first judicial canon, which says they must obey the law and the code of ethics. And they pull aside the two lawyers first. And he said, which one of you represents the, the husband or the father in this, this problem we have here? And if they just pull aside that husband or father's lawyer and say, if you step outside the boundaries of the law and you jeopardize my judicial integrity, I'm going to have your license. And if you don't think I won't have your license, I have a staff of five people to ensure that if you do one thing that doesn't stay within the boundaries of the professional code of ethics, I'm going to have your license. And if you think I'm kidding, there's seven of the nine Supreme Court justices that were raised Catholic, including Neil Gorsuch. And I mentioned that in the letter. So if you want to see where you can go, to get res resolution, they've already corrected the problem with federally mandating that the federal mandate was to be able to have legalized abortion. They put it back in the hands of the state is what they should have done. Everybody's freaking out about that because it's wrong for the government to tell us as a general population that it's okay to have an abortion. And it, mm -hmm. it took seven Catholics to come to an agreement that it is wrong. And there's a reason why. So it's the same thing with divorce. In the Catholic Bible only, if you ever look at a Catholic Bible, I'm not talking the applications on online that you find for like your tablet or your phone. Mm -hmm. In the Catholic Bible, it says the only reason for a divorce is it's unlawful. Well, my wife's not my sister. I'm not a beast, although they call me a wolf. I'm just a shepherd. And we weren't married to anybody else. So now I've got my annulment process locked down, just like my dad. My dad just drove after 65 years of being in love with my mom. He just drove two and a half hours on his birthday last Sunday on March the 5th, just to go get his supposed phone for my sister-in-law. My dad loves my mom so much. He wanted to get a birthday wish for my mom on his 84th birthday. He drove two and a half hours from Cape Cod to central Massachusetts, showed up, knocked on my mom's door and he said, glow. I misplaced my phone. My dad spent more in gas money to go see my mom and go back home 
than it would be just for him to pay the $50 deductible for his phone's insurance plan and just get a new phone on Cape Cod. That man has such a love for my mother, he refuses to budge on what he's been doing. And my mom has been wayward for 37 years, actually 38 years. And that's all it takes is you have to have strong men that are willing to stand up and take a stand and not budge. And that's part of being that rock where we're rocks and we're not like the women that sometimes they're the waves of the ocean and sometimes the big waves that crash against rock. We're just supposed to standard and take the abuse, period. Yeah. That's just an opinion. So, hey, everything you said is on point, but here's what I think the problem that you and your pop have. It's the communication skills part. Believe it or not, with, with women, man, if you can't be direct like that with women. You can t- tell them stuff, but a wife, if if we keep badgering them and badgering them and, and, and criticizing them and blaming and stuff like that, they will eventually shut down. And that's what happened. Even though your wife loves you, still loves you and cares about you, you know that. But every in her mind, every day, she's thinking about, if I go back, am I still going to be in pain? Because in her mind, the pain being with you is worse than the pain of being without you. So I'm not saying you can't be truthful with your wife. I'm just saying right now that would not be important. What's important right now is getting her to know that you have her best interest at heart and that you love her. The reason why is because we're brutally, we could be, you look like, like, like Scott, you could be brutally honest with me. You could be brutally honest with your father. Probably you'd be brutally honest with your mother. You'd be brutally honest with your friends at work, your business partners, but you can't be brutally honest with your wife. We beloved. it. You know why? Because you're going to hurt her because criticizing her and blaming her and bring up all her faults and stuff without an empathetic, sympathetic way of doing it or a, a nice loving voice and caring voice. She's going to think that you are attacking her. And it's you, and you're probably not. And I know you're not because I know how you are. But she doesn't know that. Why? Because you guys are bonded. That's why you can hurt her so bad. Because when we say things to our wives, it's called protection. That means what? Protect our wife from us. And so when we say things, we 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 uh, we're bonded to them through marriage. We're bonded to them before God. We're bonded to them with with children and with the marital embrace. Those are very strong bonds. And in our wife's mind. If he's talking that harsh to me, because in her mind, that's what she's saying, because she's emotional. She's a woman. If he's talking that harsh to me, that can only mean he don't love me. Now, the first one or two times you do it, she'll look at herself and go, you know what? Scott's right. I probably should go into church with him because going to mass is the right thing to do. But over a year, one year, two years, three years, she, she starts to not be able to rationalize that in her mind because the pain is so much. So only, my only advice to you is I, everything you said is exactly right, brother. But the thing you got to understand, when it comes to our wives, we have to be gentle with them. We got to be gentle with them. But not because, look, they're not men. They're not our buddies at work. They're not some piano player at, at church. They're our beloved. And if we don't, like, the next time you see your wife, I would implore you to please your body language your facial expressions, your happy, you have a high-pitched voice of love, of care, and really show her that you are trying to change and be the man she wants. And really, I'm, your wife only wants this from you, Scott. She wants you to treat her better and to show her you love her better. But 
Meg, I use an example and I'll just ask yours. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Because we made a pact not to have sex prior to marriage. She's the only woman in 50 years that I've ever met that actually was led to do the right thing that both her mom and my mom had taught me. A good woman will date. A great woman will practice celibacy towards marriage. And then at that point, watch what happened. I said, well, we got to take passionate kissing off the table while we're dating. She goes, why is that? I said, because I'm a really good kisser. And when I kiss you, you're going to want to start doing other things. And I've only kissed her once passionately prior to marriage. And she knows that. And it's the same day that something happened that I won't get into great detail. But my point is this. I wrote her an email the other day and I told her, I said, you better expect when I hit the door, you better expect that warm hug and passionate kiss. Because anything short of that, I'm failing you as your husband. So when I come home from work, she better expect that. Because if she doesn't, she's denying herself the pleasure. So here we go to another example I'll give to you. The one time we tried to kiss, our teeth clanked, okay? Well, she's kind of let her teeth go. I said, let's get you some braces. She's got the most beautiful smile of any woman I've ever seen. And she kind of let her teeth go. She put it. And in our church directory picture, my mom even said this. She says, she's a beautiful woman. What a smile on her. She never would smile in front of me, Jerry, before she got her braces. Because she was embarrassed of her grill, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I took the extra step of telling her, I said, look, let's get rid of your snaggle tooth problem. Let's get you straight teeth. And now that's all she does. She smiles all the time. So I saw the bigger picture. It's not about me. It's about building that self-esteem and confidence in my wife that she can go out there and be anywhere and just smile from ear to ear. And all my friends would always say, God, she's a beautiful woman. But the test. And I just sit there and just and, be in awe. And you're right. And you're right, dude. But here's the test. The test is when she pisses you off or frustrates you. That's the test. Can you hold that loving, caring, empathetic way of dealing with your wife when she frustrates you or she does something you don't want or she does something that you hate or she denies you sex or whatever? This is the test. This is the test, man. And that's what I'm asking you to really look at. The next time you see her, it has to be the way I'm saying, because if you are still the direct guy that you portrayed to her before in years past, what she will do is say to herself, see, I knew it. He's the same old dude. And I don't want that for you, man. I really don't. You, no, can, you can get through I, this. You can, get, you can get through this, man. You can. You can. All you got to do is just look at it just say, listen, when I deal with my wife, it's not like dealing with Jerry. When I deal with my wife, it's not dealing with a business partner. When I deal with my wife, it's not like dealing with my mother and father or my sisters and brothers. You are dealing with the love of your life, the one God gave to you to put on a pedestal and to make them feel special at all times, not only when I feel like it. And that will serve you, man. It really will. If you develop a, develop, develop a pattern of that with her, she will start to she will start to change her way of thinking. Wow, he is he he did what he said he's gonna do. You see, and that's what I had shared with her. Do you realize that I predicted? Because have you ever watched during a baptism of a kid, the priest a lot of times will now say this child is now a priest, a prophet, and a king. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched that in the Catholic Church? 
And what the priest is actually doing is if you seek Christ in everything you do, you will see the truth and you'll be able to prophesy. So when she got caught in her first lie, you know what the best thing was? I looked at it and said, your daughters are going to walk away from you unless you keep on telling them you love them, you miss them, and we'll get through this. I said, but the funny thing is, I said, I'm stubborn enough to marry you because I've already asked for my, your hand in marriage. I said, but it's probably going to lead to our divorce. Well, there's a big difference between probably and definitely. My wife is a major drama queen, and she wants to be put center stage right in the county I live in, in front of a female judge, and I'm doing nothing but hammering that female judge to submit to get us to go to counseling, and that's all I care about. Exactly. Once I go to counseling, I'm going to do exactly what you said. I'm going to shut up and let her speak her piece and just smile and say, I'm just here to learn about my wife. Yeah. So I got to go, man. I got this. Maybe three or four sessions. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. Thanks, Jerry. I'm sorry, man. Thank you. I got to do this last uh, thing. It's getting close to time. Okay. But thanks again for calling, brother. As always. (laughs) Bye. Bye. All right. All right. All right. Oh, I hope y'all enjoyed that. I did. Um, Sometimes you got to, you know, as y'all see, I let you talk because I want to hear what you're trying to say. Um, And then I just come in and just try to add to because my job is to get you as a man to keep your wife happy and to teach you how women are. And if I could teach you how women think and how they are and what they their deepest feelings and desires, then what you can do is put that into your wife and your marriage. And then she will start to grow closer to you. You'll grow closer to her. But the way things are right now, you really don't realize as husbands, we really don't realize how close, because how close we are to having a bad, to having a, a, a discontinued marriage. Here's the, here, here's the reason why I say the stuff I say. I had a guy email me the other day. Man, some of the stuff you say sometimes just basically he says the wrong, a cuss word, but he says pisses me off. You know, well, the reason I say the stuff I say is because I understand what women, what they want and what they're trying to do and what they're trying, where they're trying to go. Um, Women have too many avenues out here today, gentlemen. They have too many avenues out here today and too many people giving them excuses to leave you, to leave your children, to abandon your marriage, to abandon God. And if you, you have to, you as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a Christian soldier, you must have a foundation, a system, a a, a set of rules and system that you go by. So that when all this chaos is happening, you have your foundation. You go, look, if I follow this, it might not be perfect, but it's going to get me through. It's the best chance I got of getting through this. And so today, women have too many avenues. It used to be back in the 1800s and early 1900s and mid-1900s, women would stay no matter how long it took, waiting on you to treat them better, waiting on you to love them. Waiting on you to be a better lover, waiting on you to allow them to nurture you. They would just wait and wait and wait and just kind of just take it. No longer is that true or even possible. Women will flee. And the reason why is because they have too, they have too much satanic things coming in their other in their right ear. And if you're not talking in their left ear, they 
she's not hearing you. She won't hear you anymore. And guys get mad at me. Oh, man, you ought to hear the stuff on Facebook. This comes from ignorant dudes, man. They ignorant. They are really ignorant. Ignorance is not a bad word. It's, it's a word to, to tell how a person is being, which means what? Ignorance means you're not even trying to know the truth. And then if you do, you're denying the truth. You're just trying to be selfish. Trust me, man. Women have too many avenues out here today that when you're not around, she's got all kind of stuff in her ear from Satan. Divorce women. Hey, man, leave her. Leave him. Girl, leave him. Don't take that from him. Go on a trip. Go somewhere. Get rid of him. You know, that kind of stuff. Single women. Girl, come on and go to party with me. Come on, hang out. I'll introduce you to this nice guy. He'll treat you really good. Girl, sex ain't nothing. Sex ain't nothing. You just go ahead and do it. You know, get a little release. Your husband's not doing what he's supposed to do. You just do a little release with him. Man, gentlemen, you cannot afford to be neglectful anymore. You can't. If you don't believe me, look outside your door. The divorce, everybody, everybody knows at least 10 people that divorced. <laughs> everybody knows at least 10. Shouldn't that be a clue? It's like when somebody dies, everybody goes, oh, that's just so sad. And all for 10 seconds, they go, you know, I probably should get my life together too. But then as soon as the funeral's over, they walk outside the door, they get in their car, and they start going back to work. They forget everything about Jesus Christ. Everything. And people the same way when it comes to divorce. Oh, that's so bad that you got a divorce or your wife is divorcing you. Oh, that's so, so bad. I feel so sorry for you. But then they go, well, you know what? If they're, if they're still married, they'll go, you know what? I probably should do better in my marriage too because I don't want my marriage to be like that. And then 10 seconds later, what do they do? They completely forget about their wife. They don't care. They go on back on doing the similar stuff they was doing. Fellas, that, that way of thinking is over and done with. Your wife has too many avenues. She, she has the internet. She has her friends, divorced friends. Even her married friends ain't right. Dude, you've got to get it together. You've got they get on the airplane and go anywhere in the world. They get on the internet and go anywhere in the world. You know, they can talk to their parents, to sit, they can talk to anybody they want other than you and God. And if you and God ain't talking, if they don't allow God to talk to them, and then you ain't talking to them, they are going to allow Satan to inf to oppress them into the wrong way of thinking. And before you know it, you know, baby, I just ain't happy no more. It's not you. It's me. We just need some space. You just need to, you, I'll tell you what, you move out and move over to your own place and I'll stay here with the kids. And then when you get together and you feel better about us, then we can get back together. Cause I just need some space. Dude, do you want to hear that? Tuh. Anyway, that's all I got to say on that. Bam. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an opportunity to work with me 
personally for free. Yes, within 30 days, learn how to become a better husband that attracts your wife back to you. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com and get a plan tailored specific to your marriage and situation. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me the chance to help you using my personal and gained experience. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior coaching for your marriage. Again, SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com. That's SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com to become the man God created you to be and the husband your wife needs. Lastly, I always get the question, why don't you help women? And I always answer them, I do. So for all of you beloved wives out there that want to reignite that feeling of emotional closeness and complete love from your hubby, consider marriage coaching and visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an improved marriage within 30 days. All right, all right. We're back for our last segment, and I'm going to go through this pretty quick because we are right at an hour, and um, I want us to be able to get through this today. I didn't think the show was going to be that long, but hey, that's why I do it live because you never know what's going to happen. The good thing is I hope you got some good help. You got some good content. I'm just going to keep banging it into your head. I'm banging it into your head and banging it into your head until it's there as a habit. Okay. Remember, if you want more specialized help, um, it, you know, then what you can do is you go to SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com. Um, there's going to be a video there. A ma- I call it the Marriage Masterclass. You watch that. Um, and then if you decide you want more tailored help, um, and of course you will need it, um, then all you got to do is uh, click on that button and schedule with me. And then uh, we can go through and talk and we can see what we can do. All right. So that being said, before, what are the what are the what are the what are the clues that your wife shows you when she is thinking about divorce? And as usual, what I have done is um, I want to go through the first 27 because we're on clue 28. Oh, boy, we're almost done. Can't believe it. So I'm going to go through that. Think about what I'm saying. If any of these clues are in your marriage or they were in your marriage before you were divorced, then what you do is uh, you look at that because, listen, man, the bottom line is this. If you can't get together now when you're in marriage crisis, how are you going to get together if your wife comes back? How are you going to treat her right then? How are you going to keep her from wanting to leave again in five years? If your wife, if this, or let's say you're a Protestant, or let's say you're going to know him and you're gonna have a you're gonna start a you know you're gonna get you you get a annulment so it means your marriage never was you're not married anymore or you're a Protestant and your wife divorced you and you try to get her back for six months or a year and she's not listening to the Holy Spirit so guess what other women gonna come talk talk to you okay you're gonna get you're gonna both you know both of those scenarios you're gonna be in another um you're gonna be in another relationship with a woman. And I would tell you, don't get in a relationship and mess her life up the way you messed your wife's life up if you don't change. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't have no kids with her. Don't have sex with her. And don't marry her because you don't know how to treat a woman. You don't know how to make her happy. You're the same old dude you was 10 years ago, 5 years ago, a year ago, 20 years ago. And all you're going to do is make her miserable. And in 5 years... Hey, I had a guy in front uh, last year. He was stood in front of me. He had been only married six months. Hear what I'm saying? Six months. And he was already, she already divorcing him. 
Because everybody thinks, well, screw her. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to give me somebody else. And that's going to be better. Yeah, it's going to be better for a minute. All of a minute, too. All of a minute. And then the pressures of the same pressures that the same pressures that got your first marriage to mess up is going to make this marriage mess up because Satan don't change either. Just like God doesn't change, Satan don't change. So guess what's going to happen? The pressures of kids. Now you got two families. The pressures of both families, an ex-wife, kids from the other marriage, kids from your current marriage now. Then you got your jobs, the pressures of your job, the pressures of money. You have you still ain't with God. You still don't know how to communicate right. You still know how to be a real man, and you still know how to make love right. Okay, so what has changed? What makes you think that with this other woman, that things going to be going to be different. They ain't going to be different. They ain't going to be different because women don't change. They're broken. They're Eve. They're the same. You're Adam. You're the same. You're, you're disordered. Please just understand that this, I'm not joking with you. Your wife is not joking with you and God is definitely not joking with you anymore. This is how you saw this crap. You can't, Either you, you, my thing is, what's that song? Love the one you with. That's my motto. Love the one you with. Learn how to love her right. Get the education and knowledge it takes to love her right. Then, then if you've done all you can, become a man of God, become holy, become a master of lovemaking, communication, and you know how to be the man Christ wants you to be, and your wife still rejects you, then you got a case. Right now, you ain't got a case, brother. You don't. If you're still the same guy you were six months ago or a month ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and all we do is blame her, well, when she fix her, I fix me. Dude, your, 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 our, concept, our concept of what a man is is twisted. <laughs> it's twisted. So, number one, does she seem distant? Is she spending more time with single friends? Does she seem uninterested in the marital embrace? Is she still as supportive as she used to be? Number five, is she still as loving as she used to be? Number six, does she go out to clubs and events without you? Number seven, does she take longer to answer your texts or phone messages? Number eight, has her conversation with you become very short and to the point? Number nine, has the bickering increased? Has the arguing increased? Has she started putting the kids above you? Twelve, has she started putting her friends and siblings above you? Number 13, have you um, stopped going to mass, entering the spiritual battle daily? Does she seem unusually depressed or unhappy? You make love less than once per week. Number 16, you make love less than once per month. Number 17, has she lost weight for no apparent reason? Has she started getting her hair done more often for no apparent reason? Uh, lately, does she dress nicer or more provocative? Are you beating her home when before she was beating you home? Uh, she blames you for everything wrong in your marriage. Number 22, you can't seem to make her laugh anymore. 23, her phone is now hidden and locked. She no longer cares where you've been or keeps tabs on you. Her hugs and kisses seem shorter with no feeling. 26, she is keeping secrets and being vague even when you ask her. 27, she doesn't care you spend too much time with your friends and number 28 drum roll please he places her parents above 
you, which means what? Her parents are more important than her relationship with you. Ooh, think about that one. How many times have you wished that your parent, her parents would just get out of the way? <laughs> get out of the way and let me do my thing with my wife and my family, right? You know, this one kind of goes along with the kids being more, uh, more important than you or her friends and siblings being more important than you. But the parent, the parent thing is a little bit more in depth because the parent thing is actually in scripture. Um, and we're going to go over that here right now. So she places her parents above you, which means she, her parents are more important than you are. So this goes directly against scripture that your wife puts her parents above you. Why? Because in Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 33, St. Paul gives us direct guidance when it comes to parents and our marriage, which basically means anyone in our lives as well as our parents. So Ephesians 5, at the end, you know, he talks about what? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Oh, my God. The whole basis for Catholic Alpha. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. This not only includes your parents. This includes your friends. This includes her best friend, your best friend. This includes um, the children. This includes her siblings, all that stuff. You're supposed to leave their butt, and you and your wife are supposed to hold hands and walk into the fire with Christ. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay? Now, see, this goes back to my true thoughts on what women think about divorce. Not just women, but men as well, right? If you ask anyone, anybody before they get married, if you ask anybody before they get married or as soon as they are married about their belief in divorce, each and every one will say inquire. No way. I do that. I believe in divorce. Of course, I don't believe in divorce. Christ didn't mean for anyone to be divorced. I can't go against Christ. And plus, I would never I could never not love my hubby anymore. I just love him so, so much. Right. That's what you hear to a T every time. But then as soon as a wife is unhappy and the emotional emotional connection is gone to a T, the narrative switches to this. Well, he hurt me and he don't pay attention to me. He's a drunk. and He's a drug addict. <laughs> and he's bad, bad. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done or whatever kind of rationalization they could come up with to exit stage left. To see, you see, my take on the whole divorce thing is this. No matter if a wife is an Orthodox Catholic or Orthodox Christian, it doesn't matter. No one believes in divorce until they want one, right? No one believes in divorce until they want one, right? I get wives all the time who abandon their who abandon their responsibility as wives and mothers and go off for weeks, months, or even years to care for a parent who is in another town or state. What the heck's wrong with that? That's crazy. This is especially popular in the older women's population, like women say between their 40s and 70s. I see it all the time. They jump up and go leave their husband and their kids, and then they go off. And then they they go take care of a parent who's sick and stuff. Now, I'm going to go, don't, hear what I'm saying before you get all judgmental and crap. Because I know I'm right. But hear me. 
okay? They they will just go off and leave their husband for months or at worst years to care for a parent. And many times there is another sibling or aunt or uncle in the same town who can release some of the burden. This makes me wonder what is really the motivation. Look, I am not saying don't go and care for a sick parent. What I am saying is we cannot do this at the sacrifice of our marriage. Why? Because of Ephesians 5. That's why. Because that's what God said. That ain't what I said. That's what God said. Okay? We, what I'm saying is this. We cannot do this in sacrifice of our marriage. There we go again. You got to have priority, lady, Miss Wife. You can't abandon your husband to go off and spend years with a trying to trying to make a to, to take care of a parent. No, you can't do that. Your priority is your husband, is your is God, your wife, and your children, even your adult children. Don't get it twisted because your adult children need you too. Of course, it's a different thing, but believe it or not. When you have a good family, you and your husband are the core of that family still. Until one of those children step up and take over for you and your husband because you have come too old to be able to really manage the family and keep the family together. This is why it's important as a man to lead your family right. Because when you get to the point you're 80 and 90 years old and you don't have the strength anymore, you're still viable, but you don't have the strength anymore. Your wife didn't have the strength. Then you need one of your older children to step up and to take care of the family and run the family. You know, um, this is how it works, man. You cannot sacrifice anything above God, your marriage, and your husband. Please hear that. Please hear that. I don't think it's asking too much. And another thing, too. People do silly stuff and they know it's a better way. I've had instances where the wife, she goes off and there's other brothers and sisters in the darn same town. And then the wife is driving every day or every week to go see this, to go take care of her parent or she moves and takes care of the parent. And there's people in the same city and everybody goes, well, you know, I ain't got time. I got to go to work and stuff. Man, what are you crazy? That's your parents too. You know? So, um, like I said, many times there are many other options to make sure a parent is taken care of in this in this situation. It is it is sad to, it is sad to say, but you usually it's sad to say, but usually this is the result of a very weak marriage. When a wife goes off on trips with single or divorced women or even married women, leaving her husband alone at home with the kids multiple times per year, not just once a year, multiple times per year. And you know what? Most of us go, well, you know, she's gone, so I'm going to go on my own trip myself. See, that's how crazy we are. We That's how crazy we are. Our wife, listen, I'm, I'm not even going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop because I'm going to go on forever. And I want you guys to really, because I this is a very sore subject with me. You know, women going on vacation without their husbands, husbands going on vacation without their wife and stuff. you just asking. you just asking. That's a sign of a weak marriage. It's a sign of a weak marriage, man. Okay. Another thing that is detrimental to a marriage is when parents butt in too much. You know, your parents butt in too much, right? This happens with husbands and wives, with husbands and wives. The husband can't let his mama's boy complex go, and the wife still runs to her mother or father and spills everything that is wrong in the marriage, but won't do anything to try and really make it better. The bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. There is nothing or no one 
more important than the marriage. Get over it. You can't have a strong marriage when you put everything in the, in the kitchen sink above it, except God. That's the only thing that you put above your marriage and wife. Why? Because you need the creator's grace. This, if, 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 if a man is in marriage crisis right now, it's because he doesn't have the grace from God to, to get his marriage right. And what does that mean? That means he's probably in mortal sin, which means what? He did some crazy stuff and ain't went to confession. You know, he's, uh, he's just doing too much stuff, getting away from God. So God allows evil in his life. And then that's when the marriage turns to crap. Okay. So again, there's nothing more important than the marriage, even the parents or the children. Hear what I said. There's nothing more important than your marriage, even the parents or the children, the children too. You don't put the children above God. You don't put the children above your husband. You don't put the children above your wife. You don't do that. You're just asking for that. You're just asking for trouble. Okay? People make this vital mistake all the time. And when they find themselves in divorce court, wonder what in the heck happened. <laughs> the opinion of parents is placed above God. The opinion of parents is placed above the husband, just like the government today, just like big daddy government, just like big daddy, big daddy government. People just can't keep their nose out of other people's homes and marriages. Don't you get sick of it? Big daddy government can't keep his nose out of your home. He can't keep his nose out of your marriage. He can't keep his nose off your kids. He can't keep his nose off your money. He just can't keep his nose out of nothing you do. Always got to control you. Okay? And then that's what parents, a lot of parents do too, especially mothers. Uh, what they call them, a mother-in-laws. They do that crap. Can't keep their nose out of, out of people out of marriage. Instead of telling them, hey, instead of telling the wife, go home and work on her marriage with their husband. Boom. You know how many clients I got right now who are changing and doing well, but they got mamas and daddies telling them, well, you know, he ain't going to never change. Get rid of him. Sometimes all the way. And then, and then on top of that, the wife goes to church in front of her priest or in front of her Protestant minister. And they don't never talk about marriage. They don't never say, you know, I know you guys got problems, but if you, you know, the best thing is do what Christ wants you to do. And Ephesians this, Ephesians 21 through 35, right here, St. Paul says, and you do a sermon on that every month. The divorce rate is at 60%, man. When are you as a, as a clergy going to stand up and battle it? When are you going to stand up? Sometimes all of, listen, women get emotionally confused. It's not their fault. That's the way they're designed. Sometimes all a good woman needs, and most women are good women, they're just in pain and they don't want they want to stop. So, but most of the time, all they need is a man of God to stand up there in the pulpit and go, you know, your husband is being a knucklehead. Go home, be the spiritual head of your family until your husband comes around. Ask the Holy Spirit to intercede in your marriage and to change the heart of your husband. And you go home and you stay with your husband and you and you be patient with him and you lean on Christ and you ask him to get your husband together. Most women, they go, you know what? Father's right. I'm just going to go on home and get his food another chance. <laughs> but no, that's not what they do. First of all, they don't even address the subject. So is that a scene or not? I don't know. You think about that one. 
Another thing, if they do talk about marriages, oh, love one another and care for one another and be merciful with one another. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. What kind of crap is that here every Sunday? Dude, you got a 60% divorce rate in this country, maybe even more right now. You got billions and billions of dollars being made off divorce. No fault divorces in every state in the union. The no fault divorce is a major sin. It's a mortal sin that's destroying the family, and that's why Satan wants it. And our clergy get up there and gonna say nothing about it and talk about love and mercy, love and mercy, love and mercy. No, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, baby. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell to get these people moving. Because like I said, most women, if you just give them a reason, because they hear all this negative stuff in the community and in the world, and when they come inside the church, they hear the same stuff, they go, well, that's what God wants. I got a woman right now, her husband, the priest and them are telling her, the priest are telling her and the bishop too, hey, you don't have to make love to him. You don't have to have sex with him. You don't have to, you don't have to let him back in the house. You have to do nothing. So guess what she does? That's all she needs. That's all she needs to be like, look, stay away from me. You can't see the kids. Uh, you ain't getting no money. You, uh, you can't come in the house. Dude, that's all she needs. We are, we are hurting our children. Everybody says they care about the children. They don't care about the kids. Nobody cares about the kids. They care about themselves. It's sad, okay? Look. We got to keep big daddy government out of our home. And the way you do that is you lead your home the way Christ would have you do it. Okay. Next. That way, when people talk to your wife, if you got your, if you own your game, when people talk to your wife on her right ear, she ain't hearing them. Matter of fact, she says, shut up. My love, my husband, he loves me and I ain't going nowhere because he's the man of my dreams and I love you more than anything in the world. If your wife ain't saying that, man, you got problems. Okay. So, they, you know, a lot of people will tell our wives, dumb, give dumb advice like what? Go on a trip with your girlfriends, which is basically means go on a trip, girl, and be like Stella and get your groove back with other new and exciting men. I ask, is this the advice from hell or what? Bam. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, so that's, that's the power of being live. <laughs> you could cut stuff off because <laughs> I got to go and I know you got to go. But I wanted you guys to really hear that. I mean, it's a long show today, but hey, you don't have to listen to the whole thing. You can share it. Um, but I wanted you guys to really, this is, a, this is a critical thing right here. This is a critical, critical lesson right here to really understand how important you are in marriage and what you can do to stop this crap from going on. Okay. So with that being said, we are going to end as we always do with the quote from St. Benedict, the 16th society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So go forth Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. 
Thank you for listening in today. If what you heard helped you in any way and you would like more personal attention, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior marriage coaching. And remember to join the Catholic Alpha Radical Live podcast as a caller or listener every Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. To join as a caller, dial area code 313 Radical. To join as a listener or view the live stream, visit the Catholic Alpha Radical Live Facebook page or visit CatholicAlpha.com for Catholic marriage help that actually works. Bang.